0: At this point, every information portal is saturated with mindfulness content. But this show is a unique, unusual, curious take on mindfulness. Some of what you hear will be completely new to you. Let's dive in and take a look at the nature of the aware mind. I invite you to deepen your awareness so that you may be liberated and inspired.
1: We are here with Sarah Vallely, mindfulness teacher, coach, and author. Sarah has been teaching meditation and mindfulness for the past two decades, training and certifying others to teach mindfulness. Sarah is the author of four books. Her latest book is titled Tame, Soothed Well, The 55 Teachings of TSD Mindfulness. On this week's episode, we talk about trauma. We talk about the difficulties of what someone faces who's been through trauma and various methods of how to heal trauma, including, but not limited to, Mindfulness. Jacob Drossett, we are here with Sarah Valley. Sarah, how are you?
0: I'm great, Jacob. Thank you. We are talking about trauma and how mindfulness can support us to heal through our trauma. I've had my own trauma. I've been diagnosed with ADHD, I've been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. If I went through a proper evaluation, I would probably also be diagnosed with PTSD. I'm also a former teacher. And if you've taught in the school system, then you have definitely worked with people who have gone through trauma. That's something that Jacob and I share, right? Jacob, you have been in the school system as well. Oh, yeah. And presently, I'm basically a trauma coach. I work one-on-one with people over Zoom, helping them heal through their trauma. Here are some of the challenges that someone who's experienced trauma face. A loss of memory. Often you don't have a memory of the actual trauma. Disassociation, which is being disconnected from your thoughts, your feelings, your memories, and your surroundings when you're in a trauma trigger. Sensitive to touch. Unaware of how you are feeling emotionally. Unaware of how you are feeling physically. Depression, anxiety, panic, nightmares. These are just some of the experiences that those of us who have been through trauma experience. There's some biological effects as well. Being stuck in fight or flight, the brain is affected. For example, the amygdala is often hyper aroused, ready to to address a threat. The thalamus is affected. Various structures in the brain are affected. People with PTSD usually also have less variability in their heart rate. Seems counterintuitive. It seems like if you were more calm, then you would have less variability, but it's actually an indicator that you're in fight or flight.
1: If someone's in a disassociated state, I would imagine they would potentially have less heart rate variability too.
0: Yeah. People who have been through trauma are often diagnosed with a variety of disorders, like ADHD. OCD, panic disorders, generalized anxiety disorders, optional defiant disorder. And this is controversial, actually, because especially with kids, right, they've been through trauma, they get all these diagnoses, it's, it's hard on them, right, to be like, oh, I have this, I have this, I have this. There's a movement to create just one diagnosis, you've been through trauma and it might look like this, it might look like that, it might look like this, but you've had trauma, just one diagnosis. So it feels better. And Dr. Vander Kolk is a big promoter of that idea. And he's the author of the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Someone who has PTSD might avoid certain people and places, be hypervigilant, have insomnia, experience chest pain, brain fog have a difficulty being vulnerable, and they might not have an internal sense of security, which in turn makes it difficult to distinguish between dangerous situations from safe situations. The way we heal from trauma is being in situations where we feel safe, in situations where we feel heard, being around people who are aware of our emotions, because having that validation and connection around our emotions is so important, And basically learning what's going on inside of us emotionally, our thoughts, cognitively, or even physically, our physical sensations. Because if we've been through trauma, we have disconnected, disassociated from a lot of this. There's different approaches to healing trauma. There's cognitive therapy, and cognitive therapy is considered to be top-down. And what that means is, is that you approach addressing the trauma Through your thinking, let's change your thinking around this and that will trickle down and you will feel more relaxed on a physical level. But there are also bottom up approaches that address the nervous system. You're addressing the nervous system first, calming that, soothing that, healing that, and then eventually moving into more of the cognition and the the thoughts. So in general, therapy is more top-down, working with the thinking, but there are therapists out there who do have bottom-up approaches. So if you are seeking out a therapist, it would be good to ask them, what type of approaches do you have for supporting someone to directly soothe their nervous system?
1: If anyone out there is ever skeptical or considering a therapy I consider it to be like indispensable in my life. It completely altered the course of my life in the best way. I will say I got very lucky and I found the best therapist ever. It was by far, probably the most important thing I've ever done as far as like healing work.
0: I've listened to you talk about that experience with him over the months. And it sounds like he was really skilled in helping you just take a moment to notice your emotions, be okay with noticing your emotions instead of just saying, oh, no, I shouldn't be feeling that way. I should be feeling this way and switching, but instead just going to the real authentic feelings. And the validation piece is so important and so healing. And that's a big part of what I do with my clients that seems to be instrumental is just simply validating and saying, It's understandable that you're feeling pain. What you went through was really difficult. It's understandable that you're experiencing grief. You've gone through a great loss. That's so healing.
1: I would go on this long rant for like eight minutes about something that was bothering me or had bothered me. And and then at the end of it, he'd be like, yeah, that happens sometimes. And then it would be such a release. That was all Mm -hmm. I needed. I just needed to have this thing validated
0: it sounds like you were being witnessed you know it's like you're being witnessed and you're being supported and then also that idea of it being normalized your situation being normalized it's it's a really good feeling yoga is another great way to address trauma which i don't think a lot of people understand those people who do yoga understand but one of the reasons yoga is helpful is because when you're in yoga poses it can be uncomfortable. You can go into some discomfort, but then you breathe through the pose and you move out of it. And so you start to really understand that discomfort is temporary, that you can move through things. So I'd imagine that happens to some degree with your personal training.
1: I've been talking a lot lately about the uh, concept of experiential level versus an understanding level, specifically with awakening experiences. Everybody logically knows difficulty comes and then you breathe through it and then it eventually passes away. But experiencing that is a fully different thing. Anybody that's ever had any kind of awakening experience in meditation knows that. Or if they've done a very, very hard physical task, like running a half marathon or getting through a hot yoga session, a lot of times there's moments in there where you have to just self-soothe and calm yourself. And and experiencing that is completely different than understanding it, which is why it's so important to sit and actually meditate and not just listen to podcasts about meditation. But yeah, I've had a lot of tears in personal training session, I'll say. Not like I'm making people cry, but, but people have emotional releases before. Mm-hmm. They're really off that day and they need to just kind of talk for a bit. And I'll be like, hey, let's get our mind off of it. Let's get into our body for a minute. I'll kind of guide them through a hard kind of physical task for a minute or two to just get something in very quickly. And a lot of times that'll actually spur a emotional release. It's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's great. And that experiential piece is so important and it doesn't take much. In my coaching, I ask my clients to spend five minutes a day on a particular exercise that I give them. And that offers so much release and shifting of perspective and understanding is just that five minutes a day of experiencing what we talked about in the session. It's powerful. Dr. Vander Kolk, the author of that book that I mentioned, The Body Keeps the Score, is a huge fan of yoga for healing trauma. And he's had clients that did not do well on meds. The meds did not address their trauma but 10 weeks of yoga practice did. Jacob, we're going to take a 32-second break. Every three months, we invite listeners to be part of a live audience while we record one of our episodes. And we have one of these events coming up next week. Join us this Wednesday, August 3rd at 7 p.m. New York time. Be part of the live audience on Zoom while we discuss whether or not taking a break from watching the news is good for your mental health. To receive the Zoom link for this event, go to T as in tame, S as in soothe, D as in dwell, mind as in mindfulness.org. Scroll down to the bottom of the page and send us an email asking us for the link. And we're back. Another approach to healing trauma is massage. That offers body awareness in real time. It's trust building. Have someone safe touching your body in a very safe, gentle, appropriate way can be very healing, especially for people who've had trauma to their physical body.
1: When people are doing certain types of healing, where people are laying on their back and people are waving their hand over their body, and It looks very, very, very silly. These people are having these gigantic releases. I really would like to hear more on that. I have no idea about this at all.
0: Yeah, it's called energy healing. And energy healing is powerful. People are trained to do energy healing. They are trained to be able to affect the energetic fields around and within your physical body could lead you through right now to close your eyes and take your hand and move your hand away from your body and then towards your body. And you will feel an area that feels more dense. And that's one of the layers of your aura. Uh, So pretty much everybody can feel that. I have a layer of my aura right now that's about two feet away from my body these are some of the things that the the energy healers are trained to do. Yeah, it's pretty powerful.
1: Well, I'm glad you lied me on that because I know nothing <laughs> about it and it looks ridiculous. But I was like, look, this is all weird. I'm not the least bit surprised that that is a fully valid practice. I'm glad you told me. So that's <laughs> good. Now I know what that yeah, is. Yeah, and, and
0: there's a, a validation experience there too, because a trained energy worker will be able to pick up on situations and emotions and that are going on within the person. And when they speak that back to the person, it's very validating. One of the most popular approaches to healing trauma is EMDR.
1: Oh, yeah. I just heard about this for the first time. Eye movement.
0: Desensitization.
1: And reprocessing. And therapy.
0: reprocessing therapy, Whoa. yes. I know more about it than how to say it. (laughs) Gotcha.
1: Yeah, that's very hard to say.
0: Yeah. So this is going to blow your mind, Jacob. So check this out. I'm excited. All right. So EMDR is based on the idea that during REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep, right? Our eyeballs are going back and forth. That during this part of our sleep, REM sleep changes your brainwave speeds. Your amygdala slows down and allows you to naturally heal. Oh yeah so we already have a natural process for healing trauma while we sleep
1: i know rem sleep means rapid eye movement so oh my god i didn't even think about that
0: yeah and so during this rem sleep apparently we reprocess the memories of a traumatic event so they're not as charged and Mm. it really works on a brain level emdr simulates this same process And it's called bilateral movement. And the original way was you would follow the finger of your therapist to be moving back and forth. And then you're moving your eyes back and forth. And then you're going back to your memories. And then your therapist is asking you some subtle questions during the process. So you can reprocess the emotions around those memories. And the bilateral movement does not need to be watching someone's finger. You can also do tapping. You can tap one shoulder and then the other shoulder. So a lot of people are doing this over Zoom now. Thank <laughs> and they can just simply tap their shoulders while their therapist is leading you through the process. You can read some of the controversial information about it on the internet, but if you talk to people, they will tell you it works. This is basically what I'm doing in my coaching sessions, but from a different angle. I help people use mindfulness to reprocess their emotions around trauma so it's not as charged. So this whole idea of reprocessing the emotions around trauma is amazing. I had a client, recently say to me that I didn't realize that I don't have to get rid of my trauma. I'm just getting rid of the emotions about the trauma.
1: So if you've had things that have happened before that you've never properly healed from, you rolled your ankle that one time and you never dealt with it. And now you have a hip issue and the hip issues is stemming from that. So at some point, you're going to have to go back and do a rehab protocol on those things. I kind of view trauma the same way. I don't know if any of that is the right way to do that, by the way. That's just my own understanding of it.
0: No, you're right on. Experts will say that the reason that we get PTSD is because we didn't get a chance to process through the trauma. And they do think in a lot of cases, if we had a chance to be with a professional or somebody that's really compassionate and understanding to process through that trauma afterwards, that we won't have these effects. Another way to address healing trauma is neurofeedback. This is based on the idea that trauma disturbs the way our brain regulates itself, specifically affects our brain wave speeds. And so we've gone through trauma and there's different lobes in our brain that generate these certain brain waves. And if we've gone through trauma, then they're not going at a speed that's comfortable. And the neurofeedback, you're hooked up to a computer that's monitoring these brain waves, and you are rewarded for targeted brainwave activity. For example, if you have ADHD, your brainwave activity in your prefrontal lobe is actually too slow. And so if you were using neurofeedback to address that, then you would say, get the rocket ship to take off because your brainwave speed in your prefrontal cortex increases. And we don't do this consciously. It's really interesting. The brain does a trial and error. And then when it gets it, then you're rewarded by what you're looking at on the screen. And then your brain knows, yes, I've hit it. It's fascinating approach to depression, anxiety, ADHD, things of that nature but it takes time. My kids went through neurofeedback for their ADHD and they went every week for a year. And then there's mindfulness. We can't forget mindfulness. Mindfulness is a wonderful way to heal trauma. And I would say that mindfulness is a combination of top down and bottom up. Quieting our thoughts, we're quieting those shame cycles and things like that, but we're also addressing the nervous system directly. Mindfulness is Helpful because we gain better body awareness. Because if we've been through trauma, it's possible that we've lost some of this awareness. Mindfulness helps us with emotional awareness, helps you start to experience your emotions in real time. When we've been through trauma, what often happens is something happens and we don't experience the emotions during the event. It might be a day later, it might be hours later that the emotions start coming up. And that can be dangerous in certain situations. That can be difficult in relationships. It can be difficult in in making decisions about what's best for you. Mindfulness practice helps you get closer and closer to feeling those emotions, being aware of those emotions in real time. Overall, when we are in the moment, when we bring our consciousness to the moment, then we can process our past trauma more easily. Trauma shows up in three ways. And all of these can be addressed with mindfulness. One is cognitively, our thoughts. We might be in constant planning and projecting mode because on a deep level, we are trying to avoid further trauma. And we might be in survivor mentality, which is constantly trudging ahead. And when I work with clients who are in their 30s and 40s, survivor mentality is in a way working for them. It's driving them to build their businesses, Further their careers. It can lead to feeling mentally drained. But when I work with clients who are in their 50s and 60s and they're still in the survivor mentality mode, it is almost debilitating. They are moving into quite a bit of burnout. They've been doing this their whole lives and they haven't healed and gained tools to get into a place where, yes, I have survived. I don't need to keep trudging ahead. In this way, cognitively, we might go into anger, shame, and resentment because of trauma.
1: I'll be very, very intimidated to do the last little bit of work that I've potentially have to do and, and really go in there and what would you say to somebody that is very nervous because this is very 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 intimidating I imagine for most people it's intimidating to me and me on the trauma spectrum is very low I think it's the fear of like oh my god what if it's way worse there's so many thoughts and emotions come up so what would you say to somebody especially if they're if they're tackling the stuff alone what would your advice be for people that are that are very reluctant?
0: I'm going to be honest, tackling this alone is not easy. That's why there's people like myself and other therapists and healers that are here to support people. It does help to have someone guide you through leaning into rejection and how to process through your anger and what to do when you start identifying your shame cycles. As far as the survivor mentality, one thing that you can do is start to notice your need to perform well, notice the pressure you put on yourself and connect that to the resulting emotions and thinking. So you have this need to perform well, you're putting pressure on yourself, and that's resulting in being self-critical, feeling drained, maybe feeling guilt right? So identifying those associated emotions and also understanding which situations in your day move you into those cycles. So you can be prepared to move into self-compassion or redirect or mindfulness techniques. Trauma can also show up in your nervous system. You can have physical anxiety. You just feel it in your body. You can have panic attacks. You can shut down mentally and emotionally, and you can have excessive fear and worry. These are some examples of how trauma is affecting your nervous system.
1: We had done a podcast, I think it was about stress, and you had identified the ways in which I was experiencing stress. My central nervous system, stress response was very, very high. And uh, ever since we had talked about that, and I have really prioritized working with my central nervous system and checking in with that, it has been night and day difference. I don't believe I've told you that. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to thank you for that and say that like, boy, the central nervous system stuff is crazy what it can do. Would you mind like explaining what that would look like versus the cognitive?
0: The nervous system responds really well to affirmations, affirmations about safety, affirmations about feeling physically safe, affirmations about feeling emotionally safe affirmations about knowing that your reputation is intact. Threats to physical stability, emotional stability, and your reputation will push you into fight or flight. So if it's physical, it might be, I am safe in my body. If it's emotional and An affirmation might be, I'm safe to experience my emotions, no matter how intense they are. If it's about your reputation, it might be, I am respected more than I know. And saying those affirmations, depending on what it is for you personally, can bring you out of fight or flight. It's pretty amazing. So what have you been doing that's been settling your nervous system?
1: Awareness be number one just being aware of where am I at? Mostly validation, I would say like, okay, that was pretty intense. You're probably going to come down from that. So just be aware of that. Make sure you kind of pad the walls for the rest of the night, stuff like that. But the biggest thing is checking in with breathing exercises and walking things that I know that will get my into my parasympic nervous system, things that I know are very soothing and not feeling like I have to be doing hard things all the time.
0: If we don't do that, we're completely clueless that we're in fight or flight, that our nervous system is activated, and we just keep going through our day. We might even drink more coffee, which makes it worse, or we might eat food that's not good for us, which makes it worse. So, just simply taking a break and taking care of ourselves, that self care is, is huge. Another way that trauma shows up is emotionally feelings of abandonment, feelings of rejection, fear of rejection feelings of inferiority. These are all rooted in past trauma. You get a text, it doesn't sit well with you. And then what happens is we go into these feelings of rejection, maybe just for a split second. And then we move this whole process to a cognitive level and we start going into shame and we start internalizing this and turning on ourselves and having this negative self-talk. And that's a real typical Cycle that someone goes through that has past trauma. And so we can use our mindfulness to slow down this process. Notice that actually started out with feelings of rejection and moved into this cognitive cycle and using some self compassion to reverse that and to heal that.
1: Yeah, I can validate that that absolutely works. That is the process that I went through in the past few years of. Becoming more aware of when I was shifting into those cycles.
0: The thing is, we generally feel like these emotions of rejection, abandonment, and purity should not be felt. Like something about this isn't right. I should not be feeling this. But it's actually the opposite. Leaning into those feelings is your way out. That's your doorway. That's the way that we heal and move through and move into acceptance and healing.
1: Yeah. Like, why is, am I feeling this? I need to feel this instead. And that doesn't work, obviously. And then after getting into that practice more being like, okay, is this it? Is this what you need right now? We just got off family vacation. My niece was upset about something. They'd be Like, what do you need? I just need to go sit on the edge of the pole my feet in. Mm-hmm okay, well, that's what you need to recover, then we're going to do that.
0: Yeah. Those are those choice points, right? Those are those points in time where you can make a choice. You can make a choice to ignore what's going on and move forward and possibly spiral down in a worse situation, or you can make a choice to show up for yourself and take an action that is good for your your being is going to pull you out of the, the cycle.
1: The Aware Mind Podcast is a TSD mindfulness production. Please visit our website at tsdmind.org. That is T as in tame. S as in soothe, and D as in dwell. Mind as in mindfulness.org. Check out our blog post for this episode with links to supplemental information such as worksheets you can use to put into practice the mindfulness skills shared in this episode. Also, please sign up for our newsletter and receive mindfulness tips. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at aware underscore mind underscore podcast. Thank you.